so we've been together around the book of Nehemiah. It's a book in the Old Testament. It's about the man who had to repair a wall in a city called Jerusalem. And as, as leaders of the church, we really just felt that God has stirred our hearts to take time working through it. And I don't want to make excuses about it either, but I want to invite you to capitalize on this journey with us. Because it seems like we're going to be there for another five or six weeks journeying through it, and that you will in your heart not close your heart and your door to, oh, well, we've, we've been on this journey for a while and kind of had enough of it, but to allow God to continue to speak to us. Is that okay? And so I have this incredible privilege to sharing with you and all the elders, um, other elders also. But we, we'd love to ask you to join our, your hearts with us as we, as we die, dive into this book and keep on doing that. So this morning, the series has been called Restoration Building Beyond Ourselves. And so it's been a wonderful, wonderful one. And two weeks ago, last week we broke the, the series. We had a, a friend from Dubai visiting and he spoke to us about the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, I, I shared with you this incredible um, contrast where people were, were was crying out to God and saying, oh, things are miserable and terrible in our, in our city. And, and then we saw them later in the book of Nehemiah where they were rejoicing and their, and their joy, it says, went far away. So it's kind of like the impact of what God was doing in their lives was so profound that it was heard of miles and miles away from the city of Jerusalem. So we said, what happened from where they were in this state until the place where they were so joyful? And we realized that God was doing a lot in their lives. And I want to carry on just sharing with you what God wants to do in our lives by taking you to a specific point that, listen to this, I, I've been reading through the book of Nehemiah and it's been a great privilege because every week we God, what is it that you want to focus on this week? And I'd not seen this thing that I want to share with you on this morning. I promise you, I've not seen it. And it took the following to happen to help me see it. I was in my study, and I was looking for some material, because we just something that I'm preparing for something to the future, and I, and I knew that there was a, a booklet in, in my archives, if you want to call it that, that I needed to go and open up and find this little booklet that I wanted to just study and, and help me prepare for what I needed to do. And, and as I went through my archives, and you know, you kind of, oh, look at this little picture of my sons when they were younger. And you kind of then reminisce and you kind of are a bit sidetracked um, from where you were going to go, you know? kind of like looking for keys, and when you forgot about looking for them, you actually find them. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm looking for this booklet, but I'm finding all other things. And guess what? I, I came upon this piece of paper. That was just amongst all the archives. And I love to keep stuff from the past. I love to go back and read them. Uh, my son's letters to me on Father's Day and on my birthday when they couldn't even write almost. Um, those things I like to keep. And this was something that I kept, and it was written to Serena and I in November, and the page is marked here with a date at the bottom, 24 November 2009, a couple of years ago, just before we were about to move to Zimbabwe. Somebody came to us 
at an event and they gave us just some encouragement, some prophetic words of what they felt God was saying to them about us moving to this nation. And this lady, good friend of ours, came and she said, you know what, Vesey, while I was praying for you guys, I felt God remind me of Nehemiah. It's like I came upon this piece of paper out of the blue and I'm like, wow, yes, I kind of forgotten about this thing that she had spoken or that she had given us this. And I'm I mean, obviously intrigued now because we're going through this book of Nehemiah and, and I read and I read and I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. And then she says, read Nehemiah 4 verse 2. And, and she mentions this portion in it. And in Nehemiah 4 verse 2, if you want to turn there, it says the following. Um, these guys were mocking Nehemiah about repairing the wall. And in verse 2 it says, And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, these guys mocking Nehemiah now, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? I read that and I remember even preaching about it here. Will they offer sacrifices? Like, oh, come on. Seriously, you guys are going to do this? Will they finish in a day? Oh, surely you're not going to even try to do that. But then this portion, I never saw. It says, can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burnt as they are. Some translations say the following. I read it to you just in, in just trying to help us understand. It says, can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Well, that's the same one. Burns as they are. It, or the other one says, can, look at those charred stones. Charred wings just burned. They are pulling out of the rubbish and using again. And listen to what this lady wrote to me. Nine years ago. She says that I believe God is, is wanting to do a special comforting work in uh, the people of Zimbabwe, those who have remained in Zimbabwe throughout this time. Interestingly, she says, Nehemiah means God comforts. She says there are those people who are charred, burned stones, where they feel abandoned, impoverished, useless, and powerless in their circumstances. God wants to bring comfort and restoration to their lives. And as you encounter them, you're going to see them, and she just carries on. God will bring healing and restoration to their lives. And, and uh, there, were those, they, there were those who believed, there are those who believe that they are no longer useful and have been discarded. God is going to pick them out of the rubbish, change their hearts, and lives and use them again as foundation stones and rebuilding cities in the nation of Zimbabwe. How's that, eh? And it's a portion of scripture that I, that last sentence, I mean, I've been reading and I've been studying it, but I actually have missed it. And when I came upon this piece of paper, not looking for it, not thinking about Nehemiah, thinking about this thing that I wanted to prepare on, I found this and I felt God said to me, this is the work that I want to do. This is the work I want to do. And this morning's title is simply just Building Stones from Burnt Rubble. Building stones that will emerge from burnt rubble. And if you look at this story, you see how they were mocked. The, the Jews were mocked by, saying, by being said to them, Listen, surely you can see that the city, which by the way had been burnt down 140 years ago, before Nehemiah arrived there, this city was completely demolished. And Nehemiah now comes back 
by an order of God to come and help and repair the city and particularly the wall for him. And as he's busy trying to do it, the people come and say, Oh, come on, look at these burned stones. And surely you're not going to find any purpose from them. They're not going to help you rebuild this place. And obviously our question is, for sure. For sure God can do it. For sure nothing is impossible. Because one of the most heartbreaking scenes that you can ever find in life, and, and recently there was this big fire down in South an area called Neisner. Remember those of you watching the news a bit? And, and hobbles of houses were burned down. And uh, it was a very, very tragic scene how people lost. There were some lives lost, livestock, animals, pets. And you could just imagine, and I remember seeing some of the pictures, people being able to go back after this fire had now moved through, and they tried to go amongst the rubble try to find something of value still. And you can just see them picking through it and maybe coming up with a pot or maybe even some jewelry that they could find amongst the, the rubble and just something of hope that grips their heart of, oh, I haven't lost everything. I've lost most of it. But there's something of value that I could find. And you can imagine the Jews having lived amongst this rubble for so many years. Many of them, I mean, if 140 years, that's more than just one generation. So none of them have ever seen anything beyond just rubble. They've only considered themselves even as burned stones, which really is the first point I want to make, is that burned stones are often symbols of the lives of people. That God brings this picture through to us of be people being mocked for rebuilding and connecting it, to, connecting it to a burned stone concept, met, a metaphor of how our lives look like because of fires around us. So when Nehemiah was, was weeping, because we read in the Bible that Nehemiah, when he heard about the state of the nation and of the city, he was weeping. Actually, the weeping was for people who had become burnt rubble themselves and never thought or dreamt that they could become useful for God anymore. And that God had sent Nehemiah to Jerusalem to not only pick up burnt stones to be used in repairing the wall, but to collect burnt lives and give them purpose and identity again. Because I believe God's heart breaks for every burnt stone. And for us to live to, to move from what I said initially, from where people were, were weeping and they were in tears because of the state of the nation, to a place where they were crying out with joy, you need to understand that God would come and need to come and take up burnt stones and build them back into what He has for them and use them regardless of how they look. Because a burnt stone doesn't look like an original carved, cut stone without having gone through a fire. It bears the marks of some turmoil, something that have been not so pleasant. Which brings me to the second point, that stones become burnt through fire. And we all are aware of the fact that in this world that we're living in, there's a lot of fires going on, metaphorically. 
you've been through some fires yourself. We all have experienced certain fires. Reality is that the Bible says, fires come. And can I tell you that some fires are lit by God. Some of the things that we go through, you've got to understand that, that God enables them, God allows them to happen. Some of the fires that we go through are lit by ourselves. Some of the fires we, we go through are, are lit by the devil and he, with, with the, all his might, he tries to stop us from pursuing God and, and loving God the way that we ought to love God. And he lights these fires to try to stop us and, and deter us from pursuing God. The reality is fires happen all around us. We know physical fires happen. And the Bible actually talks about these. And let me take you to some of these verses. 1 Peter 1. And for us just to see that, hey, listen, fires are going to come, whether it's by myself or by God or by the enemy, they're going to come. I just got to understand that I got to stay standing. And God wants to use stones that have gone through fire, that have been burnt and have been scarred. He still wants to use us and He still has a plan for us. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 says the following. In this you rejoice greatly, not just rejoice, hey? <laughs> you want to just let me stop and read that again for you? It's not just rejoice. It's like an excessive form of rejoicing. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, verse 7, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even through refined fire, and though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So Peter is saying, guys, <laughs> by the way, there's going to come something that will happen that will refine us, that will test the genuineness of our faith, and that's these fiery trials. 1 Peter 4, if I may take you to another portion of Scripture in, in Peter, he says in verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised. You want to say that with me? Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. Uh -huh, that's what the Bible says. At the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Like, oh, why this stuff? Another fire. I don't like fires. Uh -huh. None of us are like, oh, let me just feel the fire. Oh, that's nice. My feet are burning. I don't know. These guys that walk on these coals, you know, those positive mindset exercises that they teach you. You know, I've seen that happen. They say, okay, there's like a five-meter, you know, burned coals and hot coals. You've got to just walk over them and just get to the others. It's like rubbish to me. But anyway, um, I don't like those things. I don't, you know, kind of volunteer for fires. But yet the Bible says, don't think there is something strange happening to you. They come. And they, in God, will not destroy you. But they will build you. They will test your genuine, whether you have genuine faith or not. Uh-huh. And so, there's something that fires can produce. Not necessarily will, but potentially can produce in us. And that's a stable, a strong, and unmoved faith in God. And so we all say, I want to grow. 
Correct? None of you don't want to grow in your faith. All of us want to grow older. I mean, some of us have grown old already. Understand. But many of the young people are, oh, I can't wait until I'm 25 or 35 or whatever. You know? Friends, you're not, eh? You're happy with where you are. But most of the people want to grow older. But it requires certain things to happen and develop in you that will enable you to get to a more mature place. And particularly in our walk with God, we've got to grow, people. Because if we look, this is the focus of our growth, is Jesus Christ. The focus of our maturity is not to compare ourselves one to another and say, hey, I'm going to just be better than Clive, then I'm okay. He's not the focus. With all due respect to you, Clive, you're a great guy. And there's a lot of things that we can learn from you. But the ultimate focus that we need to have is Jesus Christ. And so if I focus on Him, I realize, whoa, there's a lot of growth that need to come. And what will God use to grow me to become like Christ? Sorry, somebody? Fires, fiery trials, stuff that's uncomfortable. All right, so just everybody that says, I want to grow, just raise your hand. All right, well done. Everybody that likes fires, just grow your, raise your hand too. Uh, she said, well, there you go, I love that. <laughs> but not the fire to sit around like we do in winter. No, that's a different fire. I want to talk about the fire that you get inside. It's like, whoa, let me go inside the fire. More hands? Ah, that's a bit different now. <laughs> no, the reality is, is that is how our faith grows. And when we see ourselves as burned stones, we think, oh my goodness, such a negative thing. It's such a bad thing that I've gone through. But actually if I, in God, capitalize on that experience, I say, God, you're using this or you have used it to form something in me that is supposed to bring honor to you. And so the third point is, we've got to just identify what a burned stone looks like. Identifying a burnt stone is, is not to condemn any person. It's just to say, hey, how am I looking at the moment? Have I gone through a fire? Am I in a fire? And, and not to despise it and, and to become all emotional about it and say, oh, all these things that I've gone through are so, oh, so bad. But to say, God, there's something in me that you're trying to form. I had a conversation last night with a friend that I hadn't spoken to in probably 12 years. And because of Facebook, you have that advantage that you can quickly just type a message and say, Hey, haven't chatted to you for a while. How are you? I've heard some rumors and some stories, but never spoken to him directly. This man, um, 28 years ago, I spent two years with him as a mentor in my life. It was 1990, 1991. I had the privilege of working together with him as a pastor. I was a student. I would go to class every morning at Bible school in the afternoons and evenings. I'd work with him in a local congregation set up and he would teach me a lot of stuff and, and he was a great, great mentor to me. And I'd learned so much from him in terms of you know, just ministry and working with people. And I made contact with him last night, first time in 12 years. 
I said, how are you doing? He said, oh, gee. And if I could paraphrase into the context that we're talking about, he says, I've gone through a bit of a fire. He says, Vesey, I, I made the mistake. I, I had some intimate conversations with ladies on the internet. A friend of mine, mentor, and I respect him usually. He says, it led to me being actually fired from having led the church where I was leading. I said, how's your family? He says, I, I've got five grandchildren. But what's happened is that they've, they've kind of pushed me away. My wife is busy divorcing me. My family, my son is now leading the church that I led. They've, they've pushed me away. And I know I've done wrong. And he admitted, I mean, he comes out, I said, how are you doing? He's like, whoa, he spills it all out like that. And he just admits what he has done. And, and he says, I've made so many mistakes. And, and, and I'm so sorry for what I've done. And, and I'm so trusting God for reconciliation with my family. And I know his children. I knew them from when they were young. I, I used to drive them to school. I remember often when they were small little kids and they would mess around in my car and I couldn't handle it. But it was like, oh, God prepared me for my own children. And when they came, I could hit them because this kid, I couldn't. I'd smack them and say, don't do that. So you can't do that to other kids, you know, other people's children. But when my kids came, I made sure. Anyway, that's besides the story. So my friend is just spilling his guts in a sense and just telling me what he has gone through. And I could see there's a burnt stone. There's a burnt stone. And he's on his way to recovery. And we, I could just chat to him and encourage him and say, my friend, you know what? God never throws away burnt stones. Never does. And he looks at that rubble and, he, and people mock and say, oh, will this stuff ever come to life again? Could they ever be used for again a purpose in, in rebuilding a wall? We say yes. We've got to say yes. And I had to say to him, yes, I can, I can trust and want to trust with you for not just your usefulness as a pastor, because that's not the ultimate aim. The ultimate aim is for him to be confident in who God thinks of him as and for him to enjoy his family again. We have burnt stones around us. People who have been through fiery moments and experiences and processes. And often some of these fires were brought upon them by themselves. And I have done that to myself. Like, man, I, you know, bring something upon yourself that you shouldn't have. And my friend admitted that last night to me. He said, I did this to myself and to my family. It's not a fire that said, come and, you know, this is great for you. I chose. This is not a God thing. There are other fires that leave people crumbled and charred because of, of these experiences. And I could see that for him. Many disappointments that we go through are also similar. They are fires. You know what a fire also does? It's what they did to Jerusalem is they, they caused a fire to come and it dislodged the, the stones from each other and it broke the wall and it causes people to be disconnected from one another because fires in a negative sense come and it separates us because I've done this thing and again the story of my friend. He's been dislodged from his family. Burnt stones are often left out of position after a fire. And if we don't deal with being burnt and being disappointed, then we will end up being taken out of position, moved away from the place that He has for us, and we will forever feel disconnected. If, 
if you finish, or end, I'm not finished, but if you find yourself in a situation where you're in a fire, in the midst of a fire, and it's a fire perhaps that, that the devil is trying to bring on you, whether it's a sin or, or just discouragement with people, even people here in church, where you feel like, man, people don't really care about me. What that fire is doing to you, those thoughts, it is disconnecting you from others. And you're finding that you no longer have an interest in the simple thing called the body of Christ or the church. Because people have been disappointing towards you and they've, they've, they've not greeted you. They've not shown an interest in you. They've not reached out to you. And we should not do that. But what it can do is that that fire of disappointment can leave us so disconnected from people that we walk away from the place that God has for us. The way the body of Christ is the place, first of all, that God has for us. It's not, first of all, a company where you work and a business that you run or a job that you have. Your identity is found in who God is and what He thinks of you. And then, out of that, you find your identity and your place within the, the reality of friendships with other believers, the church. And that reality is not only, it's not really possible only on a Sunday morning. It goes beyond a Sunday morning. It goes into our moments together where we rub shoulders through, throughout the week, where we reach out to one another, where we get involved in some moments where we can get to know each other better. And those moments often are fiery moments because we realize that, ah, these people are different than me. I don't often like it. I just want to be at home and, and sit and, and watch TV and go through the whole royal wedding again. <laughs> By the way, that guy preached well, eh? Really did. Anyway, it's like, man, when we rub shoulders with one another through those moments in the week where we get to know each other better and we know that, yeah, your breath smells a bit, buddy. But that's fine. If that's your fire, gee, you ain't got a fire at all, by the way. But we get to know each other better and God forms something in us of a, of a stickability and of a commitment towards the body of Christ. I want to challenge you again. We've got this thing, life groups. This is not an, a commercial because I'm not ready to do a commercial. I'm talking about a value of shared lives. And you know what? Shared lives is often a fire that we go through. Uh-huh. Maybe for some of you, even a Sunday morning is a fiery moment because you and may take my preferred seat again. And like you get on fire when somebody does that. All right? It's like, oh, it's going too long. I don't like the songs. And maybe that's your fire. Praise the Lord that you're coming. But I want to take you into a deeper fire of relational connection. Because in this situation where we find Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, he brought people together to rebuild the wall. And they needed to reach out and touch base with one another and rub shoulders and build together. And as burnt stones, burned from disappointment, burned from regret, burned from sin and the effect of sin, we all have had that in our lives. Come on. Disappointment, regret, sin, rejection, all of those things, uh huh. None of us are exempt from it. And so those fires 
often cause us to run away from people. And we're okay with a Sunday. That's kind of like, that's my limit. But I want to take you into deeper fires. We cannot just leave one another at the place where we say, we understand. That's how, we, that's how you think. No, we've got to think biblically. And the Word of God teaches us to share lives, to invest in each other's lives, to make moments where we can be together. And so, we even find that in these fires, we have people who have had their dreams shattered and have lost hope that God is even able. That's been a fire for many people. And I know some of your stories where you've had dreams and you've had those dreams shattered and you've gone through a fire that has shattered those dreams. And in that moment, you kind of, is God still real? Is He still able? Can He still? Whatever situation it may be, finances, health, relationships, property, We've gone through fires. But God says those burnt stones that are amongst you, He says those burnt stones I have a purpose for. I want to rebuild them, refit them into what I want to do with their lives. And I'm calling on you to be available, I believe God would say. Listen, avail yourself. Don't say, I'm burnt and scarred for life. I'll just hang around. I'll just... You know, kind of walk around and pretend that all's fine, but actually deep inside, I'm burnt and I don't want to let anybody touch me. Don't come close to me. Don't give me hope. It ain't going to work. God says, come on. Come on.